Hello, and welcome to the Limitless Possibilities podcast, episode number 21. My name is Zach Johnson, and I'll be your host. I'm really glad that you guys are here. Thank you so much for your support, whether you're a new listener or you're a continued listener. I definitely appreciate you being here. And if you haven't done so already, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, like and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes, and leave a rating or review as that helps me get the limitless message out to more people, and I really appreciate that a lot. I hope you all are having a great week. You've been able to find some things to relieve some of the stresses going on in the world because we all have constant stresses no matter what the situation is. So I really hope you've been able to find that for yourself. I know for myself, this week has been great. I've been able to get really more into journaling, into more of a routine, into a plan. I've really delved more into a book. If any of you guys are looking for reading or maybe you want to check out an audiobook, I definitely recommend checking out The 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma. And I definitely would recommend if you're looking to getting into journaling, checking out The Bullet Point Journaling by Ryder Carroll. Definitely check those out. Both very insightful books. Again, not for everybody, but I would definitely, if you're looking for something to kind of switch your mindset, transform your life a little bit, I personally have greatly enjoyed those. And I know the other people that I've talked to that have consumed those books or listened to those books have really enjoyed them and they've been very insightful for their lives. I'm really excited for today's interview. He was a coach of mine in Puerto Rico, and we've been able to continue a longstanding relationship. He's had a very interesting career, and I'm really excited for you to hear about it. Today's interview is brought to you by Oh My Apparel or Out Hustle My Yesterday Apparel. I really appreciate them being a sponsor. Definitely check them out as it helps the podcast continue growing and it helps out a great guy. So if you want to check those out, head on over to Team Oh My. It's T-E-A-M-O-H-M-Y.com. Use the code LIMITLESS for 15% off all orders across the store Say hello to Duncan. Let him know I sent you. He'll definitely appreciate it and he'll hook you up with some great gear, some great swag, whether it be bands or stickers or whatever. Check him out. Give him a shout out. He'll definitely appreciate that a lot. Without further, we'll head on over to the interview with Billy Horn. I really look forward to and I'll see you on the other side. All right, our next guest I'm really excited to bring on. He's originally from the Bronx, New York. He's a former professional baseball player. He's a former college baseball coach. He's been a professional baseball coach for the past eight seasons, and he's the co-founder and creator of Meet a Prospect. Welcome to the Limitless Possibilities podcast, Billy Horn. Hey, thanks for having me, Zach. Really appreciate it, man. Excited to be here. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, thank you. And how about yourself? What have you been doing to keep busy and keep yourself sane during the quarantine here? Well, well, I don't know if I would say I've been sane. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, we're staying busy. You know, I, uh, I've been doing a lot of, um, let's see, landscaping, uh, gardening, grilling, cooking, cleaning. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's funny, my wife, she's the handy one and, and she's kind of showing me how to do some electrical work and all this kind of stuff. But uh, just staying busy, uh, you know, just trying to catch up with some friends, you know, via Zoom or FaceTime or whatever. And uh, was pretty busy, you know, putting together this High Point Rockers Club uh, the last couple of months up until obviously, you know, last week when we got the official word. So trying to stay busy, trying to walk, trying to stay in shape, you know, just 
you know, once you turn over 40, man, it, it it's a lot harder. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so obviously during this time, it's been really tough on people mentally. Have you found that you've been reading any particular books or really diving into quotes or journaling or meditating or doing anything like that to kind of keep yourself present? I've, I've been trying to get into yoga um, as much as I can. And I, and it's so funny cause I preach that on my players all the time. It's so good, not only for your, uh, your body, but for, for your mind. Um, I really haven't gotten into, into much reading. I I've been doing a lot of puzzles, just trying to keep my brain fresh. And, um, I, I'm just trying to get out and just walk, you know, even if it's around the neighborhood, but we've also taken some drives, you know, like West Palm beach or something like that, go on like some nature trails to kind of give us this, let's step out of the world we're in even if it's for, you know, 30, 40 minutes for some positivity or, uh, you know, just some peace of mind. So it's, uh, it's been difficult, but, uh, luckily with the support of my wife, my family, my friends, it's, uh, it, it hasn't been that bad. I think we're, we're pretty lucky, you know, knock on wood, living in a you know beautiful home, beautiful area and, and surrounded by some really nice friends and family. So we're, we're, we're doing all right right now. Thank God. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that's, and, and just, the way you're talking about it, obviously just finding the positives in every day. And I think that's something for a lot of people right now is just the key, right? Cause it's very easy to get into that negative tornado of negativity all the time. Right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And one thing we talked about before is um, just trying to stay busy. Um, you know, like tonight I'm going out to a local college game where they have all the social distancing, but I'm going there as like kind of a guest coach. So I'm going to go out there and work with some pitchers, you know, just to, uh, just to stay in the game, keep my mind sharp and, yeah. and learn. And the one thing I'll tell you, the one thing I'm really looking forward to tonight is being able to yell at someone besides my wife. <laughs> I get to yell at them. I get to yell at umpires today. So I don't care if my guy throws a ball down the middle and he calls it a strike. I might yell at him just to kind of, you know, get reacclimated with, yeah. with the game. <laughs> Flow the juices a little bit for sure. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Uh, so obviously just kind of circling back to the beginning, growing up in the Bronx and going from there, had you always known that baseball was kind of the direction that you wanted to go in? Had you had that passion from a young age? Yeah, I did. I did. I, I, it's so funny. I remember when I was like the earliest, I can remember five, six years old, but even before then, I remember my dad put a ball in my hand and, uh, you know, we would play catch in the front yard and he would always like, it was crazy. We were only like, eight feet apart and I'm like a little baby yeah. and he's throwing, he's throwing BBs at me <laughs> and like, you know, I'm getting hit and all this stuff. And you know, I, I grew up kind of, uh, my dad was a New York city cop, you know, for 22 years and he was a cop from the late sixties to the early nineties. So you can understand the household I grew up in. So, I mean, he was tough. I learned how, I learned how to ride a bike. I was on the bike, took the training wheels off and I was thrown down a hill, you know, <laughs> I learned how to swim. I was thrown in an eight feet uh, in an eight foot pool. You know, uh -huh. I mean, I had my, I had my first job when I was not uh, 10 years old. I had a paper out in the Bronx. I'm on my bicycle riding around and stuff. <laughs> so I'm like six, seven years old, whatever. And I'm getting just dotted all the time. Boom off the chest. I felt like uh, 364 more days left to <laughs> hockey season, you know, <laughs> happy Gilmore. And, and, Happy Gilmore. And, uh, but no, I, I knew, I, I knew when I was, I knew when I was a kid, like baseball was in my blood and, and, and it was just something I always wanted to do. And then, you know, having started to play on, uh, you know, they didn't have like 10 U, 11 U, 12 U. So when I was, I remember when I was a kid, I was like 10, 11 years old. I was playing like 
in these like little pickup games with, you know, older kids. And then little league, you know, when I was 12, I was playing with 13 and 14s. And, you know, I was also even going to play softball, like just pick up street games and stick ball and wiffle ball with my older brothers. So I'm like 12 and these dudes are like 17, 20 years old and I'm just getting motored down. But I don't know, I guess that's a way to, you know, maybe get better, get a little tougher. But yeah, I knew when I was a kid, like that's, this is exactly, you know, what I wanted to do. So obviously you had that passion and drive. And like you said, it was a different time. And what's crazy, it's not even that long ago, but it's such a different time compared to youth sports now. What point did you kind of have that glimmer of being like, okay, I'm going to go and play further than just neighborhood or local little league or high school? I knew, well, I knew in high school, I knew in high school, like my sophomore year, uh, I played at a very good school. I played at Westlake high school, which is in uh, Thornwood, New York, which is, uh, 20 minutes north of the Bronx in Southern Westchester and uh, Westlake, the Westlake Wildcats had a very good program run by a guy by the name of Lou Gaudio, uh, my high school coach who I still talk to this day, who um, <clears throat> never spoke below like 110 decibels, uh, <laughs> always smoking cigarettes and, you know, in our outside dugout. And, uh, you know, I, I knew in high school because like I got called up my, at the end of my sophomore year and I'll never forget when I was in high school, I was a third baseman and I was thrown into this scrimmage kid hits a ground ball. I take it safe. And I'll never forget my high school coach was like, the game runs a lot faster at this level, Billy Horn. That's exactly what he said. And that, and that stuck with me. And then, you know, once I had an opportunity to, to come down to Florida and play at Lynn university, um, the game got real quick. And this was the first time I'm seeing guys consistently throw low to mid nineties. And mm -hmm. I, I had two options. It was either shut it down and go, you know, just be a student and do something else or start pitching. And excuse me, luckily I had an above average arm and started to learn how to pitch and, and, and kind of went from there. But, you know, I remember it was right around my freshman year, sophomore year of high school where I was like, okay, I, I think I can, I don't know how well I'm going to do or how long I'm going to last, but I really feel like I got what it takes to at least give it a go. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I really wanted to go away from home too, because, and I love my parents. I love my family. I loved growing up in New York city, but I really felt it was a time for me to, all right, let's see, I got to grow up. I got to right. grow up and, and kind of spread my wings and, and, and that's what I did. And then I stayed down here. I bought a home down here. And then my parents moved down here and, and created a whole life down here. So, um, yeah, that was it. I remember it's like the game's a lot faster at this level. Let's go, dude. <laughs> Pick it up. And I was like, my eyes just went, wow. Okay. I right. get it now. Or at least I thought so. Yeah. And so obviously you go to Lynn University, have some good success, but you were talking about how in high school, you're a third baseman. As most kids are coming up, you're kind of a utility guy, not really specialized. And then also you get to college and you have an opportunity to transition and become a pitcher. Do you think that was one of your biggest growth phases in your life and kind of being like, all right, you could stay stubborn and be like, no, I'm a third baseman, maybe not play, maybe not stick around. And then all of a sudden being open to transition to being a pitcher and finding that growth phase and getting out of your way, obviously it's translated to a lot of success down the road. Yeah. See, I think I was really fortunate because I didn't need a coach to tell me I wasn't good. I, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. And like I said, the first time I, I stepped in a box and I, I didn't even see it. I was like, 
like, yeah, nine, 94, kid, welcome to Florida. Because, you know, in New York, especially the Westchester and just outside the city, I mean, anywhere up in the Northeast for the most part, you don't have guys, you know, blowing 94 every day. You know, right. you're seeing, you know, 80, 82. Yeah, everybody hits, you know, 470 in high school or whatever, yeah. you know. But, um, and it was cool. Like, my, I remember, like, back then, my, my college coach, who's now uh, uh, pretty high up with the Kansas City Royals in the scouting department, he was tough. He was tough on us. And I, I, I'm an 18-year-old kid. I took everything personal. And this guy doesn't like me. But as I had gotten older, I realized, like, the guy was just trying to do his job and, and help me become a better man mm-hmm. and then become a better, you know, baseball person. And, um, you know, the cool thing was – uh, we had gotten a new coach um, my sophomore year. We had a new assistant coach. And by my senior year, he became the head coach. And that's Rudy Garbalosa, who is one of the biggest influences in my life on and off the field. And uh, Rudy is still there as the head coach at Lynn and won a national championship and produced so many professional players. And, um, you know, being around a guy like Rudy, who is laid back, mental, you know, understands the game and what's going on up here. And I really try to apply that to, you know, how I coach, how I work with guys, whether they're my big league guys or, you know, whether I'm going to a college game tonight to, to just work. So, um, yeah, I didn't need a coach. I, I knew, I was like, man, I, I can't hit worth a crap. So <laughs> I better either pitch or, you know, it's, you know, the old, you either need to poop or get off the pot. So, mm-hmm. you know, you got to, at one point in your life, you got to figure it out. For me, luckily I knew, at a young age, I wasn't very good. And let me try pitching. And I had very little success, but it's led me, you know, to where I'm at today. Yeah. And I think that's something that anybody can kind of get out of that is oftentimes we try to push so hard at something that we maybe don't have skills at, but if we really kind of sit back and look at ourselves in a, in a constructive view saying, Hey, you know what, maybe I'm not going to be as good at this. Let's try this. And obviously for yourself, it's worked out really well. Going from there, you then go over to Italy using your, using your ancestry, you go over to Italy. How much of a culture shock was it for you to go to Italy after coming from America? Oh, it was so different. It, it was so, gosh, I always use this word. It, it's so cavalier, you know, it's so Cadillac. <laughs> this is so laid back. I mean, I, you know, I had gone over to Italy and I pitched there for a couple of years and um, I was in the Republic of San Marino which is on the East coast and mm-hmm. it's beautiful five minutes from 10 minutes from Rimini beach, which is like South beach on steroids. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And the people are so nice and so open. And, mm-hmm. and what I noticed was as long as you um, try to show them that you understand their culture, you're learning their language, you're, you're not this, oh, I'm an American and I, all that away man that's just all old school you know crap or whatever and it was great i'll tell you the biggest shock that i've had was uh you know we would go out we would go to the beach during the day we'd play at night and we'd go out you know to the bars and stuff and it was so surreal seeing like 13 and 14 and 15 year old kids at a bar drinking you know at a restaurant drinking wine or drinking a beer and i was just like okay, we are not in the United States anymore. And the other thing was, I, I'll never forget this, my general manager, Max Carlini, who I'm still friends with to this day, I hope he watches this. Ciao, Max, come stai. 
Um, when he picked me up from the airport my first year in 2003, he picked me up at Bologna. And I think it was like, I looked it up or whatever. It was like an hour and 45 minute drive. We got to San Marino in 49 minutes. And I mean, just zooms. I mean, just driving in and out, weaving. And I'm like, and this guy's just having a normal conversation, smoking a cigarette, probably sipping <laughs> on a cappuccini. Um, and I'm in like the passenger side and I'm just holding like, I'm like, oh my God, holding on the bar. I'm going to die here in this new country that I've never been in. So those are two really eye-opening things for me, but it, it was beautiful country, beautiful people. I, yeah, I have my dual citizenship there. I know I will be back to Italy at some point, whether it's a vacation or to maybe when I retire, go coach in Italy and maybe then I'll start smoking cigarettes in the dugout, but I don't, I, I've never smoked in my life, but, uh, <laughs> since we're on the topic, I got to tell you, um, one, one day, uh, I had during a game, I had to go in, go use the restroom, whatever. And all of a sudden the guy who's pitching the game is like 45 years old. His name is, uh, it was Lucas Fedoni, one of my favorite guys in the world. He would throw BP all the time. He's like 106 years old now and he's still throwing BP. <laughs> Beautiful. Got great hair. Well-dressed guy. He comes in in between innings sweating and I'm like washing my hands and he's drinking a beer just to like reach. He goes, yep. Italian Gatorade. And I'm just, <laughs> okay, this is a completely different planet, let alone different country. Yes. Crazy. It's a, uh, it's an amazing experience that I think anybody that has the opportunity to go and play overseas in Europe, if they have the opportunity, it's amazing. And I think for yourself, obviously going, taking that flight, you do have ancestry from there, but taking that flight, taking that risk, you don't know anybody. Do you think that kind of helped you push through and maybe be like, you know what, I can take on anything? Yeah, it, it really did. Because, you know, it's funny, like you look at, and again, the world today, you know, most kids are home till they're 30, 40 years old. And it's like, man, I couldn't imagine that. And right. Just, just getting on that plane, I remember packing my bags and I was like, like you said, like, I don't know anybody over there. So, um, they set us up in a one, two, three, in a four bedroom house, six players. <laughs> um, so I was myself and then national team catcher, Vinny Parisi, who lives on the West coast of Florida. We're still very close. We talk all the time. Uh, Greg Constantino, he was our first baseman from St. John Fisher and basically Canada, all the way upstate yeah. New York. Um, Bob Bello, who is now a lawyer out in, in uh, California, and we had two Japanese players. So we had Bob and the two Japanese players. They shared a room, which was like – it was like the biggest room I've ever seen. Yeah. And then we had our own rooms, but um, we had become friends. We became family. And we tried like maybe like once or twice a month, Italian speaking only in the house. And that's kind of how like we taught ourselves. And Bob was the brainiac. He's a smart kid. He's the lawyer now. Uh, but he spoke the language better than we did. And, and I had taken it in grammar school. I took it in uh, high school. Mm -hmm. You know, my grandmother was Italian, but she spoke Sicilian, which is not Italian. It's a completely different. Yeah. It's like, it's like saying the Boston accent and the Texas twang are the same. I mean, it's <laughs> just, you know, but, uh, yeah, being out there and, and you know, they, they do it right. You know, they, they will put you in with American guys just so you can at least, okay, I can live a daily life and go to the grocery store and, you know, buy food or whatever the case may be. And then uh, it was really cool once you get to meet your teammates 
And then they start inviting you to their homes and to parties and barbecues or, hey, my friend owns this restaurant. And it's like, oh, man, like I'm just I'm living in a different world. And now I'm speaking Italian. Obviously, my Italian was much better after a few co- cocktails. But, you know, of course, of course everybody thinks they speak, uh, you know, a perfect second language after a few beers, you know. But uh, it was uh, it was real eye opening. And I'm really glad that I did it because it really helped instill in me you know, not only certain values, but it also kind of molded me as to, all right, let, let's go, let's go head on. And, and whatever life challenges come, I'm, I'm going to take them on. Whether I win or lose, I'm going to fight as hard as I can and, and, and do everything I can to be successful. Yeah. And I, I think that's something for everybody, right? As you hit that point where you realize that maybe you were putting limitations on yourself. And when you break through that, you're like, I can literally take on anything. I think that's the yeah. amazing thing. Oh, you're absolutely right. So coming from going, playing two seasons in Italy and then coming back to the United States, had you had opportunities to get into professional baseball in the United States or had you just transitioned right into, let's say, the post overseas real world jobs? So I had gotten really lucky. One of my, one of my buddies who uh, I played against in Italy was from here in Florida and he had played with the Royals and the Red Sox organizations, and his dad was one of the coaches for the Long Beach Armada, a team I wound up signing with in 2005. So I had to go up and throw a bullpen, and I drove about an hour, threw a bullpen, and liked what he saw, offered me a contract. And uh, so 2005, I go out to Long Beach, California, play for the Armada. The manager of the club's Daryl Evans, who Played 21 years in the big leagues, 414 home runs, won the World Series in 1984 as the third baseman for the, for the Tigers. I mean, the guy hit in front of Hank Aaron for like seven years with the Braves. Mm-hmm. Great baseball guy. I still talk to Daryl. I hope Daryl watches. D, I love you. I'm sure we'll talk this week. Um, but now, because in Italy, you only have certain foreign play, certain X amount of you know, foreign-based players. Mm-hmm. So now – I'm playing with a bunch of veteran players. So we had uh, not anybody that you would know, but John Dillinger, um, who just missed making the 2001 big league roster with the Yankees. He pitched, I think, 15 years um, between AAA, AA, independent ball. John's one of my good buddies, lives in Nashville. Um, Adonis Harrison, shortstop, uh, second baseman, middle infielder, career AAA guy. So now it's like – okay, I need to tighten up because what I did in Italy, and not that we did anything bad, but there's a certain way that you need to act right. on the field, in the clubhouse. And, and, and again, we didn't do anything bad. It was just, we're all buddies. But now I came in as basically a rookie. So it's just mm-hmm. keep your mouth shut, keep your ears open. And, and luckily for me, I had my buddy Danny DePace, um, who we played against. So he kind of brought me and segued me in with the veteran guys. It wasn't easy. You just sit, you be quiet, you learn, you listen. And then every now and again, I'd go out for a couple of beers with the guys and get to know these guys. And, and, uh, and then it was, okay, all right. So I wound up uh, starting as a reliever. I became a starter and then my rotator cuff went. So I went from throwing like 89, 90, 91 to 82, 83, 84. And I was like, okay, I'm, I, I can't really sleep. MRI, rotator cuff torn. So I had gotten my rotator cuff repaired that winter, mm-hmm. uh, tried, tried to come back, retore it again, got it done again. So I had back-to-back shoulder surgeries. And I was like, man, I'm done. 
I'm done. And then that was the point where I was just like, okay. I mean, I knew it. I, I knew when I was going to Italy, I wasn't making it to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that, you know what I mean? I, I pretty much knew it my whole life, I guess, but I, I, I always had that fighting chance. So, you know, I, I just wanted to keep playing, but then right around when I had gotten hurt, I said, all right, it's, I guess, real world time. And right. obviously, obviously you could tell I like to talk a little bit. So <laughs> I wound up getting into sales and, and I did well. I made good money and stuff, but there was something missing and, and, and I knew it was baseball at that time. Mm-hmm. And so from there, obviously dealing with the injury and as you said, kind of going into the quote unquote real world and dealing with the job, you were missing something. Did you know that you wanted to get into coaching or did you want to try and come back as a player? How was that kind of mindset for yourself going there? Well, I knew every Sunday at like four, five, six o'clock at night that I did not want to be here. Um, you know, it's just, man, I got to get up early and I got to shave and put on a shirt and a tie and, and go try and sell a product that I don't really, not that I didn't believe in, but I was like, I'm not selling myself. And at that point, I started just on the weekends doing a little lessons here and there, going to the field. And then I wound up... Um, doing more lessons. And then I wound up coaching high school. I wound up coaching at, uh, uh, Santa Lucia's high school, which is where I'm going actually tomorrow night to watch, uh, tonight actually to watch a college game. And then I was coaching at North Broward prep. And then while I was doing these lessons, I really started to get into the J bands and I met, uh, Alan Jager at, uh, the winter. It was at the, uh, ABCA conference in San Diego in like 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. And that's when I had gone back to coaching at Lynn. So we had the bands and then I was working with high school kids. And then during all these lessons I was doing, I had to throw, I had to throw with these kids. So all of a sudden I was, it was just like, well, wait a minute, <laughs> started feeling good, starting getting on the mound. And then that's when I went back to Italy and played in, in 2010 for a couple of months. And, and, uh, and then when I came back again, I was like, man, I, how am I going to make a living? Cause now I'm 31. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then I went up getting back into sales. And so then I take a business to business job down here in South Florida, made good money, just hated my life, made some very great friends who I'm still friends with to this day. And, uh, had an opportunity to then go coach in 2012 out in the Pecos league, which probably nobody knows about. I, I don't know. Um, and it was cool because it, it was different. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, being an independent ball the last since 2015 consecutively, um, you know, having been in the Can Am Frontier and, and Atlantic League, and you know, obviously, you know, most of our guys. I mean, our, our we had 14 former big leaguers on our club signed for this year, and then I, I constantly try to remind myself, put myself back in the Pecos League, and just think about the the grind. That's a grind. That, yeah. Some people say it's not a grind. You should know it's a grind, dude. <laughs> Just imagine not only the players, but the coaches. I mean, we were driving to the games, spending our gas money, no clubhouse. And these guys were just, I tell you, anytime somebody sends a player over from the frontier, uh, from the, the Pecos league, and I'm trying to help them get a job in the Pacific association mm-hmm. or in the frontier league or something, there's just a t- tremendous amount of respect that I have for for those guys but also for all of independent ball because you know 2015 in ottawa we had uh wilmer font who's now in the starting rotation for for toronto mm-hmm. actually uh or he's an opener at some yeah. time <laughs> uh but you know wilmer 
you know, he used to play, pitch for Texas. He used to throw 100 miles an hour, and it just doesn't work out. So he found himself a second chance and then, you know, pitched in, you know, independent ball, pitched in the Can-Am League for a year and a half, and he got picked up by Toronto and then traded and traded. But the guy's in the big leagues again, you know. So it's just a tremendous amount of respect that you that you have for – all of independent baseball. But then again, as people call them the quote unquote, like lower levels, whatever. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, whether you've played in the big leagues, whether you've played, you know, in the lowest of the low, if you're paying, you're playing, you know, and as long as you got a uniform on, you you got a chance, you know, and, and uh, 2016, we signed uh, Steven Borkowski from the Pecos league. He was 10 and 0. We're like, Oh my God, this guy's got to be good. Sign him and went two and zero in the postseason. I think he set the career. I think he set the playoff record for most amount of strikeouts in a postseason by a pitcher. It was like twenty four. I think he had back to back twelve strikeout games yeah. in in the postseason. Helped us win a championship. So, and that's the thing. Like for the guys that are watching, if they're stuck in you know the the Pecos League or they're in the Pacific or they're still in the Frontier League trying to make their don't give up. And, and, and another great example is Stephen Cardulo. You know Stephen Cardulo. Uh, Florida State guy, you know, drafted by uh, Arizona, kind of washed out, played for Jamie Keith, who's our manager in High Point, played in, mm-hmm. in the Can-Am League for like four years, four years as a position player, picked up by Colorado, back in the big leagues. I mean, mm-hmm. so it's like, keep playing, play as long as you can, you know, because you, you, you never know. And, and especially now, like we talked with the analytics, with all the analytical tests, it seems like if you test well analytically, you're probably going to get picked up. Right. Even if you're a, even if you're a 194 hitter, you might get that shot. And then guess what? Something clicks. It's some guys it clicks at 15, some guys it clicks at 30. Mm-hmm. But at, at one point or another, it's either going to click or it, it'll never click. You know right. what I mean? But I think as a player, you're going to realize, okay, I, I yeah, I'm done. And, and it's kind of time to move on. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That, that's kind of my, my two cents on that. Yeah. And it, again, like you talked about, you kind of had that maybe not roller coaster, but ups and downs of kind of that off breaking from being a professional to trying to figure out what you'd want to do. And I think that's something a lot of people don't maybe recognize is that in professional baseball, it's not all glitz and glamor. Would you say that that's the biggest myth about professional baseball is everybody thinks as soon as you're getting paid, that everything's just an easy road all the time. Yeah, good luck with that. There's no way. I mean, <clears throat> it's cost me friendships. It's cost me relationships. Uh, and here's the thing. I try to tell players, <clears throat> you sign up for a team, or if you get lucky enough to play college or even professionally, mm-hmm. there's so much sacrifice that goes into it because you're going to miss birthdays. You're going to miss weddings. You're going to miss holidays. You're going to miss – I mean, this is the first birthday I've had home in like seven years. It's crazy, you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> first time I'm home for Independence Day, you know. Like my wife, we, you know, all baseball. We all get married in the off season. We got married in January, you know. So it's like, you know, the only time you're going to really miss a game is, unfortunately, for a you know a funeral. You know, God forbid someone close to you passes away. All right, you get an excuse to go, but <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> yeah, you're going to make it when you make it to the big leagues. But how about those twelve hour bus rides? You know, how about you know, getting in the hotel at 5 a.m. and your rooms aren't ready, you know? How about getting to a ballpark and the, the home clubby dropped the ball and didn't do your laundry? So now you're uh-huh. playing in dirty uniforms. They're smelly. They're sweaty. You know, uh, 
I try living on peanut butter and jelly forever, you know? Um, it, it's not easy, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's the other thing is in the off season, we all have to work. You know, you right. got to get another job, a side hustle and all this other stuff. And, and it's not, it's not easy. And there's so much competition out there of, well, there's, you know, God knows how many pro guys are out there wherever they go, they're doing a lesson or you have a former big leaguer that's got a, an academy or something. So it is not easy to stick around um, in this world. And especially like minor league baseball, you know, independent baseball, it's, it, it's hard, but you know, once guys are washed out, they are generally the most successful at whatever they do. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing I like to, one thing we tell our players all the time is like when you're done playing, you're only going to get into maybe four or five different careers. You're going to work for yourself. You're going to get into sales. You're going to become a coach or you're going to become a, you know, a cop fireman or teacher, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, 99% of us are going to get into that. And you have that 1% that may go to law school, become a lawyer, a doctor, whatever. So with those careers, it's basically just like in life, it's kind of who, you know, you know, right. like it's step, it's step brothers when he wanted to be a doctor, yeah, kind of, right. you know, not, not really. But <laughs> so I, I tell these guys, we tell these guys all the time, play as long as you can, because you never know. It may lead to you going to Australia for a winter or Dominican Republic. And all of a sudden you become teammates with a guy and then you guys have the same interest. You know, maybe you guys start a medical company in New Zealand or you open an academy in Puerto Rico. I mean, it's so limitless as to what can happen, but it's not going to happen if you're a bad teammate, if you know, you're, you're a bad dude and, and uh, you're not personable. And and that's Mm -hmm. what we are as baseball guys. We're, we're personable. We like to talk, you know, and, and it's so funny. Like, we talk all the time because he's, you know, our players are always on Tinder and all this stuff. I'm like, dude, you want a real challenge? Don't try to get four hits in a game. Try go to a bar, talk to a girl, you know, buy her a drink, get her number. That's a real challenge. I, and I love getting on. We love getting on the guys like that all the time. Like, man, it's so easy. Like, because you're on your phone and all of a sudden you go to a bar and you're meeting somebody in a new town you've never been to. Oh, come on. Asterisk. Put an asterisk next to their name, you know? <laughs> So just going off of what you're saying, obviously being very personable and categorize yourself as being a player's coach, player's manager, very approachable, very personable. When we met in Puerto Rico, it was the same way you'd reached out to all of us and it said, Hey, look, like if you guys are wanting to get there, you know, I'm willing to help, but obviously you have to see the tangible work being put in. One thing that I really, for yourself, I guess my question to you is, do you think that going through the grind of playing in Italy and then not having maybe any set path and then going to the Pecos league and building your way up through affiliate or my apologies through independent ball coaching has helped you understand and be more relatable to a lot of the guys. I I believe so. I I really do because ah, gosh, do I wish, you know, I was a third round pick and I signed for, you know, $1.2 million and had the easy road of course, but that's, that's just not life. Life, Mm -hmm. life's not fair, you know, but having gone through all that and you know, everybody needs a break at one point or another, you need a break. You need somebody to make an introduction or you you need something, you need the chips to fall Uh on, you know, your way every now and again, in order for you to be successful. Like, and again, I'm, you got to work hard. You got to work smart. You got to grind. You got to dedicate your life to it, but something's got to happen. And and for me, um, I, I was introduced to Hal Lanier who was my manager when I was in Ottawa in 15 and 16, I was his pitching coach. 
and, and everybody knows how. 10 years in the big leagues, managed the Astros, coached the Cardinals, big leagues, big leagues. And luckily for me, you know, Brooks Carey, who's like my uncle Brooksy, the manager of the New Jersey Jackals, they actually, they won the Can-Am League Championship last year. Mm -hmm. uh, I had known Brooksy from doing the uh, organizational games and spring training and just, I'm just driving all over the place, not getting paid. And Brooksy's like, I kind of like this kid, you know? So he introduced me to Hal and um, we met at Cheddar's in Fort Lauderdale and, you know, we all got along and, you know, the next day Brooksy called me and he said, Hal says, you're his guy. And, uh, you know, had it not been for, you know, going to these games and, and doing it for free. And that's the thing, like my non-baseball uh, friends mm -hmm. who, you know, they, they don't understand, you know, like they yeah. have their businesses and they're making two, three, five, eight hundred thousand dollars. Why are you doing all this? Why are you, why, why are you going to Clearwater for free? Why are you paying for the gas on your own? And why, why are you paying for your own hotel or, you know, or why are you staying at your, but you know, I would stay at Vinny's house, you know, cause mm -hmm. that's what baseball, that's what we do. Hey, I'm, I'm rolling through town. Dude, you stay with me, you know? Right. Um, but had it not been for, for Brooksy making that introduction and, and believing in me, and he didn't really know me that well at the time. And now we've worked in all these winter leagues together. <laughs> I stay at his house all the time. I was just at his house, you know, last week. Um, it, it, you need that. And yeah, of course it's who, you know, and everything. And, but who, you know, only takes you so far, you know, once you get to the door and you got to answer the bell, then it's like, all right, I'm either going to do it or I'm not, you know, mm -hmm. because yeah, Hal, Hal said, that's my guy. But in the preceding months leading up to, had I not been working hard to try and find players and whatever, he might've just said, Hey, I got to go a different direction, right. you know? And, and, and Hal and I, we had a great time and, I, I've learned so much about not only the game, but how to take care of myself off the field as a professional um, from Hal. And, I, and it's so funny. I learned it all by playing cards and, you know, <laughs> sipping on some scotch or having a couple of beers after the ball game. And, uh, you know, one thing that I encourage coaches to do is get to learn your manager and your staff or whatever. And Hal was very gracious. Hal said, listen, if you ever have any questions as to why I made a move, ask me. And I did. I asked them all the time. Hey, Hal, what, you know, why did we not bunt in the eighth inning? Or why did you want to go with this guy instead of that guy? And that's how you learn. Right. Um, you know, it's not second guessing. It's just, hey, what, what were you thinking? And, you know, he said, well, this is what I thought. This is what I felt, whether I was right or wrong. You know, and, that, and that's what helped me as a manager, too, in, in making those decisions is, you know, as I progressed as a coach. Yeah. And, and I think what you just said there too, is not being afraid to ask questions. And again, being around people that are open to answering those questions and not taking it like you're slapping against them is such a huge thing. But by surrounding yourself in the circle of maybe something that you're passionate about tends to be the people that you're around or passionate to, right? As you said, being in sales, things like that. It's not that you didn't enjoy what you were doing because obviously you need to do that to get by, but the people that are around you might not necessarily be doing it. Whereas if you asked a sales partner why they were doing a particular pitch, they might get offended. Whereas if you're in something <laughs> you're passionate about, right, they're going to be very open to. And I think that's something that a lot of people can take out is if you're asking people questions and they're getting mad, you might not be in the right place. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, it, it's so funny you say that. I, I just feel that we as baseball guys, we are a completely different breed of, of, of being. And like I said, I do have a lot of friends outside of 
baseball. But the conversation, even like the joking and the ribbing and getting on each other is yeah. different. Mm-hmm. You know, like with baseball guys, you can get on guys <clears throat> as much as you want. And it's, it is what it is. But when you get with other people, it's like, hey, man, what? what, what? It's like, oh, okay, wait, I'm, I'm out of my realm here. You know, and luckily for me, my wife, she played Division One, you know, college volleyball. So she gets it. So she's on my ass all the time. She's always... <laughs> She's like, you don't know anything about, you don't know what you're doing, you know, just, but I could take, you know, she could take it, I could take it. It's just, it's just different. And uh, that's what I miss most about this season, you know, being wiped away is being around the guys, being around, you know, uh, my second family, you know, being on the bus and watching Frank Viola fall asleep within, you know, (laughs) two minutes, you know, and then when he wakes up, his hair's all curly and it's like, oh, cranky Frankie's up, you know, so I love you, Frank. But that's, that, that's what you miss and, mm-hmm. and being around the guys and, and going to the gym and seeing your boys working out and, and, and just getting to know these guys as, as human beings. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, at, at, from a coach's perspective, there's nothing more gratifying than obviously seeing your guys <clears throat> get picked up by an organization or make their way to the big leagues. Um, but there's also nothing more satisfying than seeing former teammates and especially your former players grow up to be good husbands, good fathers, successful in the community that, you know, wherever they live. And, and that, that's what I miss most. So to anybody that's on my club, the Rockers, High Point, we miss you. We love you. And, and we really hope to get, get on the field, uh, get on the field next year and put a good product out there. And, you know, hear Andy Turner screaming at me from the, uh, from the stands about how terrible I am as a first base coach. You're right, Andy, I can't coach first. So I want you to come out and coach first base for me. Uh, one game uh, next year, and I'll go in the stands and, and drink your beers. <laughs> but that's what the game's all about. You interact with your fans Absolutely. and everything. And, and it's Absolutely. just so different. Um, you know, it, it's, just, it's just so different, and, and I'm so blessed that I'm able to do this for a living. And, and, I, and I just love it, and I miss it so much. So then, obviously going through the grind and really appreciating the camaraderie of being connected and being essentially a big family or community – you created me to prospect. What was the main drive behind that? I was so, I just got so sick and tired of seeing like kids and parents spending like thousands of dollars to be recruited and put videos out there. Like, listen, if you want to go out and you want to go to a travel team and do this and do that, I love it. Great. There are so many travel organizations and there's a lot of pro organizations that do camps and tryouts and they travel the country. I love it. I'm all for it. But in order for you to put a video on the internet, do you need to pay thousands of dollars for it? No. And, you know, we just felt at the time, like, we just want to create a platform that will allow players to be seen and to be seen by um, scouts, agents, you know, colleges, um, you know, professional organizations that do all these camps and they travel and barnstorm the country. We want all, we want everybody on there. And then, all right, you like the kid, you sign him, whatever, go ahead. But in order for these kids to have just a second avenue, just to broadcast their talents, uh, I don't know. We just felt like we needed to do something. And, and it's been pretty cool. You know, we've, we've helped over 200 guys, you know, sign pro contracts in, in the last five years. And, you know, now we started doing events in person. And I think we've had 33 players signed at our last three events. And, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. We, we don't have guaranteed contracts. We don't guarantee any contracts. We bring in managers with signing power. 
we bring in other organizations that run all over the country and do this. Come on out. You like players? Take them. Take them with you. Get them better. Um, so, you know, the next phase is we'd like to expand into more sports, you know, all levels and just, just let these kids get their information out there. And, um, it's become a little bit of a forum for guys to talk about certain things, but we mm -hmm. really want to keep it mainly as just get on there, post your stuff. Um, you'll see it all the time when you go in there, Hey, this is so-and-so from Puerto Rico. You know, we're starting a league or we've got a team here or, uh, hey, the Australian League is doing this and we're looking for four players or whatever the case may be. Um, and, and to be able to help guys with that, we're, we're real proud of that. And that's something that I really appreciated when, when you'd reached out to myself and said that you guys had created it and what you guys were trying to do is for a lot of people, and I'm sure you, you mentioned with the, the cost of some of the organizations that are so and so promoting these kids or doing things like that. There are a lot of parents that can't afford to do that. So by you guys creating that platform, I think it has helped a lot of kids maybe see that light. Whereas before it can be really easy to be a kid now, I would assume obviously looking at some of the other kids whose parents maybe have more financial means and going, well, this kid's going to go to school because his parents have money. I have no chance. And they just quit playing. So in a roundabout way, what you're doing, I think is help kind of keep that light of the game on at a time that could be really dark for a lot of people. So it's pretty. Admirable. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. We we really appreciate that. And, and, you know, the other phase, what we want to do is really get into the, to the colleges. Mm -hmm. um, everybody's making budget cuts now. And it's like, well, instead of spending, you know, hundreds of dollars flying here and flying there and flying. And I know guys get their information from everywhere, but we just want to be another, just another Avenue mm -hmm. in case you miss a guy, a player falls through the cracks or yeah, you're right. Maybe this kid can't afford to go on, excuse me, that high school recruiting website or that college recruiting website where it's like, you know, here I am on, you know, meet a prospect and then they go on Twitter and they tag all this stuff and, you know, wh whatever we can do to help the kids, man, that, that's really what it's all about. And what's really cool too is I've recognized and seen that since you guys had started that, there's been a lot more, as you said, on Twitter or just in the, you know, the web of social media, there's a lot more platforms like that starting to pop up that aren't money driven, that are actually just community driven on trying to grow. Again, some of those might've been around, so I'm not trying to offend anybody that was, but I, I definitely do think that you guys were kind of that first really vault into a lot of people doing that, which has been awesome to see for sure. Yeah. Thanks, man. We, re we really appreciate that. And, and like I said, we, we just want to make sure that we're putting out good content and, and we just, Again, we just want to help people, man. Especially now, it's like, you know, people helping people, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and the golden rule, man, ELE, everybody love everybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it'd be, you know, really easy to, you know, look at the financial side of it and not look at just helping people and it, it wouldn't be successful to what it is. So it's great to what you guys are doing. If a person is wanting to reach out to you, if they're maybe having a tough time or they feel like they're up against the wall trying to break into coaching, is there anywhere that they can reach out to you at? Yeah, of course. You know, I have, I have a LinkedIn account and, you know, people send me emails all the time about, uh, you know, wanting to be an intern or a coach. So you can just find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I have a Twitter at B underscore horn 22, uh, same handle for Instagram at B underscore horn 22. And then also I have the Facebook as us old people yeah. call it the Facebook. Um, and then you can find us at me to prospect on all the, um, uh, on all those, but then you can also email me people email me all the time. I'm not giving out my phone number, but somehow I get phone calls all the time 
but my email, it, it's pretty simple. It's my name and my birthday, billyhorn62079 at yahoo.com. Um, if you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, comments, and you know, if any players are out there and they're going to continue to send emails in regards to looking for places to play, um, you know, the two, three paragraphs, short and sweet, you know, Hey Billy, you know, my name is so-and-so from boom, 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 boom. Uh, I've played here, you know, here's a link to my baseball reference or my baseball cube. Here's some videos or links to videos. Um, if you have analytical testing and data, you can send it. Um, and if you're a, a good enough prospect for a major league organization, I will most certainly forward that. Um, if you're an independent guy or if this is for independent ball, uh, we, we don't need analytical data. It means zero. It means nothing. Your numbers and your reputation are everything. Um, and again, for the players, when you send it in and, and, oh, this guy looks like somebody we can sign or send here. Just so you know, we're going to call at least one manager or coach that you've played for and at least three players you played with to find out what kind of guy either we're getting or whoever we're going to send you is getting. Because mm-hmm. um, that's important is character and being a good teammate and taking care of yourself. So, um, yeah, you, you can send out your information over to us. And, and also, just go into the Facebook group itself, meet a prospect, and you need to be approved to get in the group. So you just click on the link to you know join the group. Um, we'll approve you unless you're spam or trying to sell some bogus product. And then when you put your post out there, same thing. Hey, my name is so-and-so from here, here, here. Here's my baseball reference, you know, baseball, um, baseball cube, whatever. But you have to have video. Guys need to see, especially live in-game video, if you have a bullpen, make sure you're getting different angles so we can see arm action, we can see movement of the pitches and, you know, depth and bite and all that good stuff. And, again, if you want to post the analytical stuff, by all means, go ahead. Um, but for independent purposes – it, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, again, I definitely appreciate you coming on and uh, being open and honest with everything. And I look forward to seeing what's, uh, what the future holds for yourself, obviously with the season being washed out, as you said, it's, uh, it's a different time for a lot of people, but I'm really excited for what's next for you and look forward for it uh, to continue growing. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, and, and I appreciate that. And I definitely would love to stay in touch with you and, uh, um, you know, uh, for the players that are trying to play now, you know, the American association is still, is, is, I think they're kicking off tonight actually. Um, but there are little hub hubs that are going out all throughout the country, very small, very safe. So if you guys have an opportunity, something local where you can get out and get your innings, you know, get your at bats and get prepared for hopefully winter ball. If there's winter ball. If some of these countries, you know, are bringing in imports, you know, that would be great. If you think you got a shot, you know, send us your information. We'll do what we can to help you out. Um, but you know, stay safe, stay healthy, you know, everybody love everybody, keep spreading, you know, positive vibes and positive messages. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get on the, uh, get on the field soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much again, Billy, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to everybody here in the interview. Yeah, me too, man. We'll be in touch. Take care. All right. Thank you very much. Hey guys, I hope you really enjoyed that interview with Billy. It was a great interview. I enjoyed it a lot. We could have kept going for hours. I definitely am going to have him come back on. The one thing that I really appreciate what he's doing is no matter if it was starting off on his playing career, trying to find his direction into coaching, or just really giving back to other people, as you can hear in his voice, he's just a very happy person. He's just enjoying what he's doing. And he kind of takes everything that comes to him in stride. 
kind of like some of the philosophies I've talked to on former episodes or some of the things that all the guests have talked about is sometimes we have a path or a goal that we want to follow so dearly that we will do anything to go down there. And it's when we open ourselves up and allow ourselves to kind of find ourselves, we find that path of ultimate freedom or ultimate happiness. And I really think he's a person that's found that. And I really appreciate him coming on. I hope all of you guys enjoyed the interview because I know I really enjoyed doing the interview. I'm really excited to hear what all of you think. Again, definitely let me know. Leave a rating and review of what you think. If you didn't like it, leave a rating and review. I want to know either way. And I appreciate you doing that. And subscribe and follow so you don't miss any of the future episodes. Check us out on Instagram and on Facebook at The Limitless Production. Check us out on YouTube at The Limitless Production. And check us out on Twitter at The Limitless Pod 6. Definitely give a follow everywhere. Constantly be posting new content. And if you're a former listener, you'll know that I've only been posting previous clips of the video interviews. But starting soon, I will be posting all of the former interviews in their full length so you can see everything really kind of get behind the scenes rather than just seeing the clips. You can see some of the emotion from myself, from the guest, really kind of be more involved. And I know that's what everybody wants. And I'm really excited to bring that to you too. If you have any suggestions or you know anybody that you think would be a great guest, please let me know. Send me an email at The Limitless Production. And other than that, I really hope you all have a great week. I really appreciate you being here. Continue to find ways to clear your mind, be able to great mental state, be happy, be healthy, have a good health state, mental state that helps others around you and it helps them grow too. Continue to find things that help you live limitlessly. Check out the books. They'll be linked in the show notes. All of the things that we talked about, whether it be Billy's Me to Prospect pages, whether it be the web page, the social media pages, or the show's pages will all be linked in the show notes. The links to Timo Mai will be in the show notes as well. Definitely check him out as that helps myself and the podcast continue to grow and it's greatly appreciated. As always, I really appreciate you being here. I look forward to hearing how all of you are finding the limitless possibilities in your life and I look forward to continuing down the road of limitless possibilities with you all.